Due to a connection issue, this podcast may have a few sections where the recording is muffled. We appreciate your patience with this and hope you enjoy the content. It's a choice we make. You know, it's a choice we make. Do I want to continue being this negative, dour um, person um, that's always angry and always divisive and only has negative relationships? Or do I want to change? And we have that choice now. Welcome to the Resiliency Podcast. Join us for discussions about the timeless principles of human healing, mental wellness, and modern science. EFT founding master Paul Lynch began his career in 1998. His previous training was in counseling, hypnotherapy, and NLP. In 1999, he was an executive director of the Association of Meridian Therapies until commissioned by HarperCollins to write Emotional Healing in Minutes. Several live national television appearances and a documentary helped the book become an international bestseller. Paul was also a contributing author of EFT and Beyond. He wrote about his innovation, The Color of Pain, a five-question technique he devised for getting to the emotional roots of somatic disorders. Paul began specializing in complex post-traumatic stress disorder in 2008, and this continues to be where his passion lies. In 2017, Paul moved from Eastbourne to Tiverton and Devon with his wife, Janet. He's a new member of the EFTI Research Committee and an accredited certified advanced EFT practitioner, EFTI. Thank you so much for being here today, Paul. Pleased to meet you. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Why don't we take a minute just first, why don't you introduce yourself um, to our listeners and just kind of maybe a little bit of background on the work that you're doing. I am Paul Lynch and I use emotional freedom techniques to help clients with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder and complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And I work in the UK, uh, in the Southwest, and I've been um, helping clients with PTSD and CPTSD since 2008. How did you get into that field to start with? My father fought in the Second World War. So I had an interest in helping people with PTSD. And uh, I was already a hypnotherapist and a counsellor. And someone introduced me to uh, emotional freedom techniques in about 1998. And I found that I used it more and more with one of my clients and uh, the results were astounding. What type of results did you see? I mean, it, I've, I've read into it a bit, we've talked before, but why don't we kind of go over that? Is What were the results you were seeing that made you want to kind of, you know, jump into this field? Well, I started off working with uh, phobic people uh, in, the, in 2000 and people with anxiety and addictions. But I found that um, the people that I had most affinity with were people suffering from PTSD and CPTSD. And the results were very good, very promising, um, even at the outset. Um, and I can explain that because we EFT uses acupuncture points, acupressure points on the surface of the skin. Um, EFT is a psychological version of acupuncture and we've i found that um people that suffer from ptsd had an image in their minds about something that happened and because of the way eft works i found the results were much more life-changing with people with these conditions because it was either one image one upsetting image or, or more than one upsetting image but the, the results were, were very quick and as the as my book says, Emotional Healing in Minutes, um, it was 
changes occurring within minutes. And so what type of changes were they seeing? Initially, I started working with people um, that had fear, for example, or terror. And so we would reduce the anxiety or the terror and by tapping these acupressure points. And the, I suppose we were starting to see results within um, a minute, two minutes. But the emotions, because of the different types of emotions involved in PTSD, um, they, would, it, they would often change from, for example, fear or terror to things like anger or guilt or sadness. But the result would always be the same in that we would just address or amend the different tapping um, to uh, counter these different emotions that were emerging. And so when people were kind of having this immediate reaction, you know, obviously often with therapy, it takes a long time. And so I'm sure for them having, it would bring a lot of hope to be able to have, you know, such a quick reaction to be able to bring their, you know, anxiety and fear down. That's correct. Um, often people will have a look of confusion on their faces, but as if to say, where has the emotion gone? And the most common um, issue that comes up as a result of the uh, PTSD clearing or new, being neutralized by the tapping is will it come back? Now, sometimes it can it partly come back if there was something that we hadn't already addressed that, that emerged later on. Um, but all it means is, is there's just more to do. So we just reapply the technique um, and we can sometimes see fantastic results in one session several sessions but everyone's different i don't want to send out the wrong message some people with complex ptsd had multiple traumas and therefore they'll need multiple sessions well let's talk about eft for a minute here and kind of let's talk about the technique when you're talking about that why don't we explain it i think a lot of our listeners might not know what that means so why don't you kind of go through of what a typical session maybe looks like and the types of techniques that you're using so um, emotional freedom techniques has been well established now in since 1995, and it was a descendant of four field therapy or TFT, uh, which was discovered by Dr. Roderick Hallahan in the 70s. So with an EFT session, what we would do is, what I would do is find out, for example, what the issues are, and let's use PTSD, for example, as, a, as a, an example. And so they would explain how many traumas they've got. And if it's one PTSD trauma, um, it, it would be PTSD. If they've got multiple traumas and um, going up over several years, for example, that would be complex PTSD. And But the result will always be the same. Now, EFT um, uses the tapping points, as I've said, but what I've done is I've, I've slightly tweaked the um, EFT in that I can use just one point sometimes. There's um, nine points that most people use in EFT, but once I've established where their emergency point is or their most effective meridian, meridian is the tapping point um, that I've talked about with EFT, um, we can sometimes reduce the amount of sessions and the, the quickness of the relief that they will feel just by tapping one point. Yeah, I think that's so interesting to think about it when you're talking about the meridians and being able to really connect to your body to kind of reset that fight or flight response. Yes. That's, it's such so, an amazing thing. 
Yes, it is. And what I can further do is um, with this, um, I've amended, like I say, I, I use a variation of EFT um, so that I can now um, use uh, distancing techniques. So, for example, if someone doesn't want to talk about their problem, they will not talk about their problem until the problem has been neutralized as much as possible and the only time they will talk about the the ptsd for example is when the ptsd has gone and the only time they talk about it is to prove that it's gone so there really is no need such to talk about the ptsd or what happened the only time they'll talk about it is when it's being completely neutralized and then it'll be just to see if there's anything else that comes up and um, see if there's any uh, emotions that still need to be neutralized. But this will be such reduced intensity of emotion that it won't be, it, for example, people will say, it feels like I'm talking about the weather when I'm talking about something that was previously so upsetting. And that is so liberating. Definitely. Yeah. And I think so many people have struggle with being able to talk about what has happened. So I could see this being really beneficial, especially in those beginning moments of healing to, you know, bring them just to a place of, um, a more of a peaceful mindset to be able yes. to one day talk about it or to be able to share their story. I think that's so empowering, um, especially in the world of therapy where a lot of people have, you know, troubles with talk therapy. Yes, absolutely. And the, the beautiful thing about EFT as well is that once the emotions are gone, they, people will the, um, be sort of be able to explain more about why they are the way they are now. They'll have understandings about their um, why they are the way they are now in their relationships, for example. And they'll have insights about the things that they do, um, where, which would have been impossible because of the um, anger and because of all of the fear. People don't want to look at um, what happened. Uh, but once the trauma is gone, they'll have understandings, insights, and realizations they wouldn't ordinarily have. That's, yeah, I think that's amazing. It's almost like the complete opposite of prolonged exposure therapy, right? So, and I, I know there's um, there's a number of people that we've spoken to that have tried that and have struggled with it um, just without having that peaceful mindset. So I think that's, it's sounds like such a, a fantastic way for them to kind of walk into that, open that door, so to speak, from the start. And um, in your book, you talk about that you have this really fantastic exercise. Let's talk about the color of pain. I think that uh, I love this part of your book. And it's such a, for me, it was such a, it's a great way to think about visualizing our, our pain. I'd love to, for you to talk about that as well. Okay. So with the color of pain, um, oftentimes people will have um, switched off their emotions for, for protection purposes, they will often have uh, feelings in their tummy most often and their chest, but different areas of the body, but the, in the core of their body will be most common. And they will, for example, talk about uh, upsetting feelings in their tummy. And so with the color of pain, what I did was uh, if someone had a migraine, for example, I would ask them to tune in to their uh, migraine and I would 
get them to describe the physical sensations of the migraine. So a pounding head or tightness in the head and, and behind the eyes and this, that and the other. So I'd get as much data as I could, first of all. And then I'd ask them to give the physical sensation color and whatever color they are also ask them is it bigger or smaller than their hand is it moving around or still is it solid or transparent and the last question i ask is if you had a feeling or an emotion what would it be just guess and so therefore they can often get to the root causes of these physical somatic um physical issues and get to the emotional causes of them. And it's almost like they tune into a part of themselves that, that ordinarily wouldn't be there. Um, and it also helps them become more self-aware. So, and also the typically what will happen is that the colors would change. So they'll start off as black or dark colors and large um, colors. Um, but they, the, the physical sensations will be reduced the headaches will go, for example, or chest pains will go, or tightness in parts of their body will go. But also the color, colors will lighten as well. And that was something that I wasn't expecting to happen. All I wanted to do was to try and get someone to tune into themselves and to see what the, the, the causes were for their physical pain, their emotional causes. What I wasn't expecting to happen was that the the um, colors will change as well. Oh, that's interesting. Thinking about it as their pain evolved, and so the color changing with it, that's that's pretty fascinating. Yes, and uh, what will happen is that they'll start off with a black, solid, dark um, pain somewhere, and it'll end up with no pain, and um, that the, the colors have just gone. It'll be com completely transparent or very, very light indeed. That's really amazing. And so what was kind of their experience going through that? I'm sure that um, maybe they wouldn't have expected that as well, right? Absolutely. Um, so for example, someone that had uh, hip pain, um, so I, because they didn't think that there could potentially be any emotion there, because if you try and explain to people that sometimes there is, an emotional cause of physical pain, they sometimes find it a bit hard to believe. So this is why I got them to tune into themselves and and self-diagnose, in a way, the causes of their physical pain. And they're quite often astounded, and they go off and use it themselves. And this is the beauty of EFT, that they can use it themselves for whatever comes up. And you talked in your book, too, how even injuries that have been caused by physical damage can be helped by doing this technique as well. What how would how does that work so for example if um sometimes when i've um to use an example i've hurt my elbow and i'm the cause of it i can have sort of oh why did i do that and it can almost make the pain a little bit worse so um for example someone that had guilt over something um felt that they they needed a migraine or needed different um, these, these physical sensations. And once we had addressed the um, guilt or whatever, it, um, anger, for, for example, the, the emotion goes. And it really is astounding. I, I, that's super fascinating. I, it's true. It's, I guess, for example, last summer I um, was hiking. We were summoning a mountain. And on the way down, I, I broke my leg. Um, and right. really blamed myself for that, you know, ruined the rest of our trip. Why wasn't I being careful? And that's true. You're right. When we do hurt ourselves, 
I did the same thing. I really did. I kind of blamed myself for that. It's an interesting concept to think mm -hmm. about how blame or shame could create more physical pain in our bodies. Yeah, that's true. And uh, I must just say this, um, that um, someone, a gentleman that was in a uh, war situation, um, this is one of my most astounding, um, amazing transformations. He had had erectile dysfunction for many years. And um, a interesting byproduct of clearing the trauma was that he, his... Um, uh, his erectile dysfunction just cleared up. Also, eczema was cleared up with people. Um, someone that's, that was in the seven seven bombings in the UK in London, so, um, a paramedic suffered from eczema as a result of the trauma. And once the trauma had cleared, so so did the eczema. Wow, is that kind of what you refer to in the book as psychological reversal? That's a, a different um, phenomena that Roger Callahan discovered and uh, Gary Craig, the founder of EOT, Emotional Freedom Techniques, also talked about. But I find that less likely now. Okay. Um, the more we learn about EOT, the more we understand about these different uh, uh, emotional protections that people put in place to protect themselves from... Um, Getting better, for example, if there's a primary or secondary gain. Now, that's a bit of a complex issue to talk about, but sometimes people put in place things when they can't forgive themselves, for example, and they put in place um, a prevention from getting better, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And you've used this technique also. You've done work with addiction as well. And veterans, and you know this, but veterans with the suffer with post-traumatic stress often uh, up to 70 to 75 percent of them at one point or another suffer from al alcohol abuse disorder so i think that could be something really interesting to touch on as well so what is that work that research you've done on addiction cravings and eft okay so it's been proven that all addictions are caused by anxiety okay so typically you will hear someone say i really need a cigarette um, to calm me down or um, they'll have a drink to numb feelings so um, what i've found is that say for example someone has anxiety or fear that fear or an anxiety will be a number nine between zero and ten be a number nine but the craving for a, their um, chosen addiction will also be a number nine. So if you remove and neutralize the emotion, you neutralize the addiction, the craving, um, and you release and neutralize the need for it. I'm not saying there's got to be an overnight problem, an overnight um, solving of all ills, but it certainly is a start, and some people might be helped in a couple of sessions. Others need longer, as I said before about PTSD. Depends on the issues they've got going on in their lives. I think that's interesting too, because so often when people, you know, try to break addictions, they really rely on that initial willpower. But long term, um, that typically is often unsuccessful. Correct. And, and the reason for that is because willpower takes a lot of energy. Okay. So if someone gives up cigarettes, for example, um, they will typically try and um, use just m their mind to um, quit smoking. But um, uh, using willpower is, isn't meant to work in long term. Willpower is meant a temporary 
overriding of you know um, lifting up a car for example um, when when someone's under a car you find strength to, to lift things up that are where you would normally be able to do that but it's not meant to willpower isn't meant to work long term so people that try to give up smoking or um, drinking uh, will have a bad day and then they will go back to that chosen um, addiction and then they will also feel bad because they've stopped um, they've, they've let themselves down they failed so with EOT all we do is we find out um, what the, the cravings are they'll describe the cravings like for example with smokers they'll say oh I love the feel of it in my lungs the smoke in my lungs or I like the feel of a cigarette in my hands or uh, someone that enjoys um, drinking to excess will say oh I like the taste and I like, I like the numbing feelings it gives me um, so w we find out then we can take the um, the enjoyment out of um the cigarette and to the point where um it, it just feels like i just don't want it anymore but what is happening in the background is they're reducing the anxiety they're reducing the need for that chosen addiction i hope that makes sense as well yeah absolutely i could see that too also being really empowering for them to be able to work through you know those type of thoughts and feelings and to recognize maybe what got them there in the first place? Yes. Um, one of the things that happens is when uh, someone has an addiction is they no longer feel in control of their addiction. They've got to have it. They've got to have the cigarette. And if you, um, and someone that says, for example, uh, oh, I'm not addicted, I, I just enjoy it. Well, I say to that person, I challenge that person and say, okay, if, you, if it's not an addiction, can you try quitting it for five days or a week? Um, and they'll usually give up after a couple of days. Or if they are successful in giving up um, cigarettes, for example, do they then transfer the addiction to something else, like eating to excess? So all of these things prove that uh, they're not addressing the underlying causes of their addiction. All they're doing is using willpower and not getting to the, the real deep causes, the emotional causes. When we can do that with EOT, um, we can deal with the um, physical cravings, i.e. the need for smoke in, the, in your chest, in your lungs, or the, the, the taste of chocolate, taste of sweets, the taste of alcohol, um, and, but also getting to the causes of the need for it in the first place, the emotional needs for their chosen addiction. You talked in your book, too, about th addictive thoughts disrupting the body's energy system. And that's not really, I had never thought about it that way before, like you said before, of how much energy it takes up to have an addiction. So can maybe kind of explain that a little bit. Like, what do you mean when you're talking about these addictive thoughts actually disrupting the energy that we have in our bodies? So with someone that wants a cigarette, for example, they'll, eat, they'll make an image of having a cigarette in their mind. And that starts the, the, their addictive cycle. They'll either make an image in their mind or they'll see someone else having a cigarette and they'll want one. And, and the will interrupt the um, addictive cycle by tapping on the different meridians and it'll take the, the craving out. So the craving might start off as a, a 10 out of 10, I must have a cigarette or I must have a drink. But after tapping and saying, for example, the different elements of that um, need, i.e. this 
the feeling of the cigarette smoke going in your lungs, the holding it in your hands, the unwrapping of the cigarette, and the social element to um, cigarettes. Uh, so once you take all those different aspects down using tapping, um, so they'll they'll they just won't have that craving anymore. But um, you also need to address the emotional causes of it. For example, guilt, or um, it makes me feel it calms me down, which then begs the question: Why aren't you calm already? Right. That's really interesting. Really getting to the root of the cravings rather than focusing on the cravings itself sounds like. Absolutely. So um, that will typically happen during a session. So I'll say to them, um, okay, so what what are you trying to um, suppress or what are you trying to cover up or um, blot out or uh, tranquilize with this addiction? And it'll be stressed. And I'll say, okay, what's the stress about? So with EFT, you had the luxury of asking specific questions, not open questions, but closed questions. Why do you feel this way? Okay, so um, once you have the answer, you can then address it with the tapping and you take away the emotion and you take away the addictive need. That's really fascinating. And I could see this too creating, you know, techniques where they can carry that with them as they're moving through their lives to really, you know, dealing with future difficulties as well. Yeah, it puts people in control of their emotions. So there are people um, can come to see me, for example, for uh, EFT sessions. But the thing is um, that they can use it on, on themselves. So uh, anytime they they go to the loo, for example, or anytime they they're sitting around doing nothing, if they have a negative thought creep in, or if they have a, a bit of a flashback about something, they can use their point, tap on their meridians and take the trauma out of that thought that they just had and it will calm them down and it puts people in control of their lives again i think that's amazing so we have so often i think people maybe say they're they've got something coming up in the future that they're you know stressed out about what would be the best way for them to use a technique like eft maybe even before the event even happens is that something that they could do as well kind of to preload that resiliency into their mindful state Yes, so you can use EFT on past events and present events, but also future events too. So, for example, if someone has social anxiety and they have to go to some event, a social event, um, so they'll make images in their mind about the, the a future event. And if there's something about that um, that's troubling them, about meeting certain people or being uncomfortable and making small talk or any number of different problems and everyone's different and they can simply like see the image okay gauge the number between zero and ten how bad the anxiety is about that and also the reasons for it so with EFT you do need to be specific sometimes so you need to be honest and specific about why you're feeling anxious or why you think you might get anxious okay so it might be um, I feel anxious because um, I, I don't want to go to this event because there's lots of important people there. So that would be the thing that I would work on. So I'd tap on that specific um, problem. Uh, I feel anxious because I'm, I'm meeting very important people there. And underneath that might emerge other problems. I feel like I'm, uh, I, I might be afraid or I'm not confident. So where, where does that lack of confidence come from? And I might um, fail about something. Why do you think you're going to fail about it? You be specific about it. You can address it. 
and clear the problem. Oftentimes it is that simple. I mean, this really could apply to all kinds of things. Fear of flying, fear of public speaking, like all of these different situations, you know, you could use these same techniques, right? Absolutely. I mean, I had a fear of public speaking myself. And um, whilst I was waiting for delegates to come to my conference, um, I had a flashback come up. And it was when I was eight years old and I was made to dance around in an Indian uniform, Indian costume. And I had a horrible feeling in my tummy, I remembered. And I tapped on that memory and my fear of public speaking just debated. That's really fascinating. It's it's interesting to think too of perhaps people have a fear or you know anxiety about something and not really being able to connect where that came from. And then I think a lot of times it's uh, maybe a fearful state because then you're like, well, I don't even know why I feel this way. I shouldn't feel this way. Do you see that come up a lot in your sessions? I certainly do. And most often people will just have a feeling of anxiety about something but not know why. So it could be um, a smell in the air, you know, but if that smell is associated with a certain thing that happened, then that will be outside of their consciousness. So there'll be an unconscious fear that comes up. But once you start tapping and bringing the anxiety, uh, anxiety down, at, like I said, you will get the understandings and insights about where it came from. So you might get a, a flashback come up or a memory of a, emerge about where it comes from. It's just magical how the, the unconscious can just present you with the causes of your, of your issues. Definitely. I think that and then being able to understand why I think could help you really walk through that healing process of it as well. Yes, I mean, it, it might not um, be one tapping round that's required. It might be several or multiple sessions. Everyone is different. But once you worked on one emotion and it's reduced and it's clear and it's neutralized, then by definition, it means that EFT, emotional freedom techniques, works. But what it means is there's more to do. And we're, we're all... Um, you know, a work in progress. So we're not going to all be sorted after one session, but it gives us the um, power and the control to con- to control our lives and reduce anxiety. And that, again, is so liberating. True. What about in like emergency situations, what I would call emergency situations? So like panic attacks, you know, where I think people have a lot of times post-traumatic stress have these intense panic attacks in public situations or in other, you know, similar situations that bring them into that, you know, fearful mindset. So what about in a situation like that? Would it still be effective? Yes, it will. And the thing is, it also gives people the confidence to use it because if, it, if it, they've had a session and they've experienced the trauma leaving them and it's now neutralized, and if they get another panic attack about something else, then they can it'll give them the confidence to use it again. Um, I, I have a client that um, has uh, had a, an eating disorder and uh, he had... It was caused by a trauma that happened about nine years ago. And so he reduced the, um, the cravings. He's reduced the, um, the reasons for the cravings. And he's now using it, um, EFT, regularly, daily, um, to help him with all sorts of different problems. And, and the wonderful thing about it is as well, he's become a bit of an EFT ambassador because he's now shared it with his wife and his, and his two children, and they're all tapping. It's just fantastic. So it's a generational healing that can happen. So oftentimes um, trauma can be passed down through generations. So, But this will cut the trauma out and cut the, um, 
uh, all of these upsets out and it won't be passed on to for later generations. It really is that important. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, generational trauma is, um, you know, epigenetics of that as well with the new field is just fascinating hearing uh, the signs behind it and how it really is what the things that we're passing on to our children, not only by, you know, modeling behaviors, but genetically as well. So I love that this is something that families can do together. Um, and once it's taught is, is a technique that you really can do. It's anywhere, anytime, you know, it's the middle of the night, it's on a plane, it's in a, like anytime you're needed, um, you can just apply those techniques right away for relief. It really is. And I find myself tapping just you know, holding one point now. And um, so, I, and my wife will say to me, um, you know, what are you tapping for? And I just, it just, it just feels nice. It just, right. it, when I'm massaging my meridian, um, which is on the, my collarbone uh, meridian, which is the kidney uh, meridian, and it just feels nice. And my wife's point is that point as well, since she's often tapping on when, when things upset her. It's it's a real healing tool that can be used at any time for any problem. I, I just love that. I think so often it's, you know, especially with how today's world is and we have such these busy lives, I love that somebody essentially just have something in their pockets at all time, right, that they can just carry with them. And I, I, you talk too in your book about, you know, our thought process and uh, belief system and how that really can affect us directly in our lives of maybe not feeling good enough or having negative versus positive thoughts. Why don't we talk about that for a second? Because I think this, I love how it ties it all in into you have this tool, you can carry it with you, but your thought process that you're using on a daily basis is really vital to your mental health as well. I'm glad you asked that question. Um, I've, I've used uh, a technique uh, that I developed over the years uh, where I get a, a baseline reading as such. Where, for example, you use your example. Um, I'll get them to say, get someone to say, um, I am confident or I am good enough. Okay. And I'll get a reading, uh, a baseline reading between zero and 10 about how good enough they are. So if it's a um, seven out of 10, for example, um, good enough, then I'll say, right, okay, so I'll write that down and annotate that. And but then I'll say to them, okay, how far back would you need to go to remember why you're not good enough? And they go right back there. The unconscious um, just takes them right back to what's needed to be addressed. We find out what the event was. And um, if it's, a, it's something that's obviously quite upsetting, we'll tap on it and all the different aspects about it and what happened. They'll get their understandings and insights. And then I'll, um, once it's neutralized, I'll then ask them the same question again. Just And I get them to say those words again, I am good enough. And they'll typically find a it's easier to say the words um, feel right and they're congruent with the words that they're now saying and the numbers will go up and so some people that I work with um, they've got very low self-esteem very low confidence and so it might not um, be one session might be a few sessions but the as long as the confidence is going up it's going in the right direction Absolutely. And I think that really affects everything, everything from, you know, your relationships, your uh, romantic, your maybe your wife or your spouse, your children, uh, work relationships, being able to have the confidence to 
um, set your value, which I think so many people struggle with that of saying, no, this is my value. This is my worth. And I'm not going to accept relationships in my life that don't align with that. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, if someone has a low self-esteem, it's being caused by something, caused by something that's happened to them in their lives. So I will ask someone, for example, between the age zero before you were born in, your, in the womb or, and, and now, so between age zero and your age now, something's happened to, to cause your a, a lack of confidence. Okay, what was it? And so asking that direct question gets a direct answer. So once we um, address all of the reasons for the lack of confidence, for example, then we, um, and the emotional causes of that lack of belief in themselves, it, it really does um, work and work quickly. But other people will say, there's something different about you. What is it? Because the changes have happened. They, they sort of carry themselves more confidently. Um, and people will say something different about you. Is, is it your hair? Or because they can't put their finger on what's different, and it's because they've addressed the underlying causes of their negative negative self belief. I think that's so true. Do you think that people tend to surround themselves with maybe people with subconsciously that have, if they have you know a low belief in themselves, that they'll surround themselves with people who have similar beliefs as that? And then maybe what is the importance of you know, kind of surrounding yourself with the people that you would like to be more like? Yes, uh, another good question. Um, so, for example, if someone, um, we, we sort of transmit unconscious um, in our body language, in, our, in the way we carry ourselves, in, in the, the way we talk about ourselves. And, and once your beliefs change and once you've addressed um, all of the, or some of the underlying causes, causes for um, negative self-belief and any traumas that you have. Sometimes people attract negative um, relationships. Um, but once you address all of your negativity, negative emotions, um, you, you'll find that those people no longer quite click with you. Right. And um, it, it, so if sometimes people feel a little bit friend when someone changes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if I'm with a friend that's um, really, really positive, and I'm really, really negative, I think, what's going on with him? I feel threatened. I, I want to keep that relationship. But I'm really negative. He's now really positive. He's changed. I haven't. So we're no longer compatible. Um, but they still have the opportunity to address their underlying emotional causes as well. But it's like, you know, um, I, sometimes people say, I no longer mix with that group. They're, they sort of bring me down because that person's changed and the other people haven't. It just is one of those things that happens in life. We all, people come and go out of that in our lives and, and we move on. But um, it's simply because we're changing and they're not. I, yeah, I think that's so true. And I think often we kind of cry, create a worldview by surrounding ourselves with people who have similar beliefs. So in some ways it's, you know, if you're in a really negative mindset, you surround yourself by negative people, you have negative experiences and you're like, well, see, everything's negative where changing mm-hmm. that mindset um, and changing the people you're surrounding yourself with and really seeking out positivity, that empowerment um, and real change. Have you seen that with people when they make that conscious decision to, you know, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to be more positive. I'm going to like strive to be happy to improve myself. What do you see with changes with them? 
once they've identified that something works and that they no longer feel negative, um, they will introduce typically the um, EFT to their friends. And so if their friends aren't interested um, and are still negative, eventually that's going to grate on someone. Um, but they still um, have that opportunity to either tap their emotions away or not. It's it, The thing is, it's, um, it's a choice we make. You know, it's a choice we make. Do I want to continue being this negative, dour um, person um, that's always angry and always divisive and only has um, negative relationships? Or do I want to change? And we, we have that choice now. We really, yeah, we really do. And I think so often people, I've experienced myself where people are like, well, it's, you know, it's just the way I grew up or it's just the way that I was taught. And I think it's uh, this new really kind of wave of accountability that I've been seeing lately for people to take that accountability themselves of you can change, but you have to make the effort uh, has been such a really honestly amazing thing to watch happen. Yes. And, and the thing is, it is down to personal choice. And sometimes the most frustrating thing is when something helps us and we know it can help us and I, and someone feel, and I feel so much better, but the uh, friend that isn't interested, um, you know, quite happy with the way things are, even though they're not, it can be a little bit frustrating when they don't um, choose to move forward. But again, that's their choice. Um, and the wonderful thing about EFT is, is that we now have choice. Um, we can address these problems when they come up now. And we really can. And they can be history, in, sometimes in minutes, sometimes in hours, and sometimes over multiple sessions. But it's given us the power that we've been seeking. And it's given us a, a real true healing and the possibilities for a wonder, wonderful future. I think so too. And I think it's really is kind of manifesting that into your life. And you talk, let's talk before we, before we run out of time here today, why don't we talk about, you say call it the bridge of beliefs. And I love that mental kind of picture. So why don't you maybe explain that for a little bit of like, if somebody is new to this idea of being able to change their mindset of being able to, you know, overcome their fears um, and move into their life in a, you know, a much healthier way, what does that look like into like stepping into the future for that? Okay, so the, the bridge of beliefs was was created really for to give people an example, a metaphor for you know things that they want to achieve in the future. So um, they, they get the job that they've been looking for or a relationship that they've been looking for, and so they're transmitting out these beliefs about themselves all the time, like radio transmitters, for example. Okay. So um, what the bridge of beliefs will do is say, right, before you cross this bridge, okay, there are certain beliefs that may be uh, old hat that you don't need anymore that, uh, that weigh you down and will stop you from crossing that bridge. That's only carry so much weight. So what are the, the bridge? What are the beliefs that are stopping you from, going towards that new future. Um, so, for example, it might be, um, I, I believe that I'll fail, and therefore I'm afraid to try. So that fear of failure comes from somewhere, okay? And so you need to just go back, find out where it comes from, address all the negative emotions that are associated with that memory, and then uh, re-look at that and think, okay, how do I feel now? How confident do I feel now? And in one session, 
this is the fantastic thing about EFT as well. In, that in one session, someone can have a negative belief about themselves and go out with a, a you know, with a skip in their step, feeling so much lighter. And it's just a privilege to watch and a privilege to be um, in the presence of someone that's, that now feels good about themselves. Oh, I bet it is. Yeah, I, I think we... I've always thought of kind of these negative statements as like the chains that we put around our own shoulders, right? And they're just, you add a little bit, like at, at the beginning, maybe it's small, but by the end, you know, I imagine it's like these big, heavy chains that are just weighing us down with that negative self-talk that I think we all have experienced in our lives. And I think this so directly applies to, um, you know, trauma, especially post-traumatic stress as well, because I think we create those limiting self-beliefs of, well, it didn't go well this time, so it's not going to go well, you know, this next time. So I just shouldn't even try it. And then the next thing you know, you know, it's you have uh, people who, you know, are afraid to go in public or not, you know, spending time with their families and their loved ones because they just don't want to have that negative experience. So I love the idea you're talking about of just kind of detaching from the statements that we tell ourselves. Like, how empowering is that? It, it really is. And and the thing is, it, it, all, it is all down to addressing the reasons why, the emotional reasons why, going back to those events, tapping on them, and then rechecking. It, 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 we gather evidence, we gather the reasons why someone feels the way they do, and then we address them, and then the problem's sorted. It, it sounds really simple, and it really is. I, I think we have a tendency to overcomplicate things as humans, though, and sometimes the simplest uh, you know, option might just be the best one for us to do. Like, it doesn't always have to be complicated, and I think we often so tend to make it that way. Absolutely, and so this is why I always say to people, and, and this is, if, if I put this on my tombstone when I die, I, I like it to be, EFT should be taught in schools. So the earlier we learn, the more benefits we will gain as we grow older and we won't be passing that on to our children. I think that's just, it's so empowering to think about that because we really do have the capability to not only change our lives, but to change the lives of generations to come when we're helping our children, which will help their children and their children's children. And um, it's a it's a pretty cool legacy to be able to leave behind as one of you know mindfulness and resiliency. As Gary Craig once said, uh, said many times, we're on the ground floor of a healing high rise, and it, and that those words are being borne out. They are true. That's that's fantastic. I think that's a. I'm so grateful for you being here today and sharing this. Um, we're going to put a link to your your book, Emotional Healing in Minutes, um, when we get this podcast out as well. I I really enjoyed reading it, and I'm just so grateful for your time today and the work you're doing. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much.